In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, hello, hello. I am Ryan Roxy, and you are In the Trenches, another live stream episode of In the Trenches podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much for uh, being in the trenches with me. If you're on live right now in the YouTube chat room or the Facebook live chat room, just hit that subscribe button somewhere on your screen so you can, uh, you know, be part of it every single week. But you know what? doesn't matter. All the other weeks don't matter. It's this week I'm excited about. This week, I'm telling you, it's been all throughout the week, there's been this air of excitement. All right. I'll tell you why. Because our guest today, other than the boss, he's the only other band member of the Alice Cooper band that has not been in the trenches. But he's here with us today. And we are going to dive deep, deep into the trenches. So would you please welcome Mr. Glenn Sobel. Hello. Oh my God, what's up? It's early. <laughs> Congratulations, uh, folks, for actually getting Glenn Sobel to wake up because he's in he's in Los Angeles right now. I'm in Sweden. We try to do the uh, podcast live stream at a decent hour so both Europe and the U.S. and Australia can um, stay up and watch it. And Glenn usually is not an early morning riser, are you? No, no, and welcome to my kitchen. <laughs> welcome. No, usually, you know, people got to be all cool and have guitars and drums in the background. Like, yeah, I'm a musician. I'm in a studio. Look. No, come on. It's my that coffee maker. I'm, ad- I'm admiring your cabinetry. Is that oak or is it birch? What kind of... Uh, I have no idea. It's definitely not... I'll tell you right now. Nice. It's de- that's definitely not Ikea. That is some old school, no. like, real cabinets. When, when cabinets were cabinets. Yeah. You know, no, I'm all about it. I'm whatever it is. I'm all about it. I should know wood because drummers know oak and birch and maple. But, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. But you know what? You know what? I'm on in the trenches. But like, why? What makes your live stream different or better than the others? I've done so many of these lately. Basically, now that I'm on your show, sell me on why I should be on your show. OK, I'll, there's a couple of reasons for one. Why? We have the best chat, the best live stream chat of all, right. all the podcasts. Okay. So it's right in there. You can just tell by the comments, some of the comments that Vic, our producer will put up, uh, you, you'll know right away that you have the true fans that are coming to listen to oh, your yeah. stories. There you go. Hi, Glenn. I see. Yeah. That's so awesome. they're dedicated. Hey. That's just one of many okay. reasons. The, the other oh, man, one is that we have probably the best, uh, podcast producer for no budget like i'm saying we have literally no budget but vic chalfant makes it work out of whatever little budget that we do have and that we do get so he makes it look all nice like this so that's two and the third reason is this microphone doesn't every real podcast joe rogan you know have yeah this? You, that's all you need you yeah. look really pro now man <laughs> Hey, Vic is not getting paid, but I'm getting paid for this. No, we're uh, all getting paid for this. Him? We are all getting paid for this. Trust me. I'll, I, that's a, that's going to be a surprise after the podcast. We'll see how much we actually get paid, but we're getting paid something. Your but, microphone and your headphones look really, really pro. I'm impressed. <laughs> and how about the hat? How about the hat I'm wearing? I played... Glenn, I played a gig this weekend in Sweden. I was probably the only person in all, definitely in the Alice Cooper band, but probably the only musician um, that played a live show um, that was born and raised in California like you are. And I played this place called the Garage Bar and it it was a cool gig. 
We never did a goon squad show there. I'm no, no, because this was, familiar. this was literally in one of the most remote parts of Sweden where okay. like social distancing, it was, it's, there's always been social distancing. So yeah, there yeah, wasn't right. anything right. new at all. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome California, California man to California kid. I'm a California man born and raised in Northern California and Glenn Sobel <laughs> is born and raised in Southern California, correct? LA baby. There. Yeah, this is it. It's beautiful here. You're, you're the ones that give L.A. the good name because it's always the people that come from out of town. But honestly, the people, the nicest people that I've met from Los Angeles have always been born and raised in Los Angeles. And so that's how we start off the podcast is like, let's go back to get forward. How about that? L.A. people are cool. The people from here are down to earth because we've seen it all our whole lives. We didn't move here and change our personality. We didn't like become someone else and phony to fit in with what we thought LA was supposed to be. We're just here. That's it. So you were basically boogie nights without, without having to try to be, or, or, or was that, you, you're going to bring up my favorite movie of all time. Well, I really? see. That's the reason why I knew it was your favorite movie. I live down the street from so many places where that was filmed. Seriously. Yeah, I know. I, I remember, you wasn't know. that also by, uh, what was the club in Reseda? The country the country club. club. Yeah, wasn't yeah. there? There was a couple scenes around there as well. There was a ton of scenes. That's Hot Tracks, the disco club. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. So growing up in Los Angeles, did you find the music scene? Because I always... Uh, think that you're basically my little brother in the sense of, of rock generations. Nikki six, yep. would be, Nikki six would be my older brother because he came from the era of Motley and rat. Yep. And I sort of slid in with the, with the GNRs and the LA guns and the faster pussycats of the world. And then you came a little bit, just, just right behind with bands like beautiful creatures, POL. And well, definitely before that I, I played my first sunset strip show when I was 17 at Gazzari's in 88. So, you know, by the time, yeah, by the time me and my friends turned 21 and I've told this story to so many people, it was this weird thing because we were like about to turn 21 around 92 right. and it was like, yeah, we're going to be 21. We can finally get into all the clubs. It's over. Yeah. It's, you know, that's it right. Wasn't stuff. that the same year or right after grunge completely took over the world? Yeah. Well, 92 hair metal was hanging in there. Mm. You know, I remember seeing some amphitheater shows with like, you know, Poison and Firehouse and damn Yankees. But, you could still you know, see those shows, by the way. <laughs> you can. It's crazy. It's like nothing's changed. But, you know, by 90, late 92, 93, just over. Page turned, done. Wow. That's it. And, 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 yeah. and, and I watched, I watched it change, man. Like overnight, right. like, like all of a sudden all these bands were wearing flannel and growing goatees and staring at their shoes when like the day before they were all glammed out and singing about chicks and stuff. I heard it change the first time I heard Nevermind pretty much. I was like, holy crap, this is, this is like, it's going to be big. Yeah. Because it was, it was undeniable. But at the same yeah. time, I remember hearing uh, Guns N' Roses first out for the first time that the album Appetite just came out before it was actually released. There was some copies floating around and I remember seeing that singing. That's going to be big, but you know, not at first my friends in high school, they said it took a while. Have you, have you heard that Guns N' Roses? Is that singer for real? 
Yeah. Oh my God, who's he kidding with that voice? And yeah. a year later, it was just the biggest thing. Yeah. Remember when it first came out, people all thought it was going to be some sort of Janis Joplin uh, yeah. tribute. And I was like, no, dude, this this dude's for real. I've seen him at the Roxy, dude. He, he... People were comparing him to like a heavy metal, uh, what's her name? I'm now blanking on her name. Ethel, Ethel Merman. Ethel Merman. <laughs> Ethel Merman, Janis Joplin, yeah. you know. I'm sure Alice yeah. hung out with all of them back in the day yeah. as well. <laughs> got stories. He's got stories. Oh, dude, we have a whole section of the of the podcast, and that's another th- reason. I mean, you want me to tell you how why so many reasons why we're we're better than the average podcast? Well, we actually have segments, and this, and of, okay. of course, we're talking. Let's go back to get forward right now. But we were here with uh, Alice Cooper, Hollywood vampire drummer, plus many more, uh, Glenn Sobel. But we're gonna not talk about those bands just yet. We're gonna continue going back to get forward because we have a connection. The connection that you have with Alice Cooper basically was started back in those early days. And we played the clubs in different bands back in those days, but we were both in trio bands. I was in a band called Dad's Porno Mag. You were in a band called P.O.L., which stood for? It was Parade of Losers, not a trio. It wasn't. It was four-piece. No, it was, yeah, four. Yeah, I had to think about that. Definitely not a trio. I thought it was a trio because I I just figured P.O.L., D.P.M., but okay. So, but you did have a special band member in that band, and who was that? Yeah, it was Tommy Hendrickson singing lead and playing bass. Uh Aha. That's when, because not a lot of people know that Tommy Hendrickson has, is, you know, you don't say he was a bass player. He always will be a bass player. Yeah, he, he's he's a bass player. He played bass in P.O.L. And then he actually only really started playing guitar when he joined Alice, right? That guy has reinvented himself so many times. It's like he's had all these lifetimes. Yeah, he's got Miles Davis beat on reinventing himself. Think, so, yeah. Think of how many haircuts he's had since he's joined the yeah. Alice Cooper band. Come on. Yeah. I know I've had the same one and he's got one or he's got like 10. I got one, but um, yeah, he, he was always doing many things. He's had several record deals. I joined POL and you and I, we played the Roxy together a couple of times at separate bands. I remember, I think yeah. Steve Stevens saw one of the shows that we did together as well. And I, and I think we all dressed in pajamas or something like that, that show, but <laughs> moving on from parade of losers, I mean, I'm getting, I'm being quick because honestly, there's like a, it was like a New Yorkish Green Day, right? Think of it it like was that. a New York Green. Yeah. Well, any you you can't be anything but with Tommy Hendrickson, you know, in back in front of a microphone than yeah. New York. It's going to be something <laughs> New York. It could be it yeah. could be Peter Gabriel New York. It could yeah, be totally. punk rock New York. It could be you know Iggy Pop New York, but. Uh, that was Parade of Losers. But then I'm talking about the band that, like I said, there's so much stuff to pack in in a small amount of time, but I do want to get some of this history in. Uh, Beautiful Creatures. And you were in that band from 1999 to 2002, right? No, I no. was close. I was in it from late 2000 till 03, and then I came back and did some other shows. But I was on it when we were on Warner Brothers Records and had the big ass record deal. We were the next big thing for 60 seconds and learned a lot, went through the machine, but yeah, great time. A lot of people had said that they, that you guys were that new guns and roses. We were just talking about appetite. Mm -hmm. And the first time they were saying that you were that band along with bands like Buck Cherry, you were that new wave. Well, you know, it's like, uh, grunge came out. We were just talking about that, how Nirvana smashing pumpkin Soundgarden just erased the slate. 
And that was around 92, 93. So I think Warner Brothers around 01, they're like, by 2001, it's okay. We need to bring some real, just just rock, unapologetic, full-on rock. We got to bring it back. And we were that record, but didn't quite work out like people hoped, although the record has a good like cult following to this day. People As you can see, up. people are in the chat room yeah. right now talking about it, saying how much they do love the beautiful creatures. Merrick I'm proud of that it. record. Yeah. Definitely proud of it, yeah. It sounds good. Like some records you listen to years later, you're like, yeah, this sounds dated. I don't like it. Others you listen to, you're like, yeah, this still sounds fresh to me. And that's one of them. There it is. So there you get lots of love from the chat room about uh, Lenny. Lenny is giving you love from there as well. I love it. Um, did nice. D- DJ Ashbo was your guitar player in that lineup or was he not? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's the one that got me in the band. Him and I used to play in an instrumental trio back in 95, 96. I was doing that gig the same time I was doing POL. And I think one night I played in both at the same, at the coconut teaser. I did both in one night. I remember, but what was that? Yeah, band DJ, that was just Ashba. That was his own instrumental, like melodic commercial instrumental stuff. Wow. And the, the bass player, Bruce Robinson told Tommy Hendrickson to call me for POL. So the DJ Ashba trio is like the center of my career universe in some ways. <laughs> Yeah, for real. And Tom, Tommy said, oh, yeah, I know that guy. I knew knew Tommy a little bit. And he went, oh, yeah, I know Sobel. And he called me and it just, it worked. Okay, so, okay, honest question, because that's another reason why we're we're above the other podcast, because we ask straightforward, honest questions. Uh, If you had to put a, a gold medal, silver medal, and bronze medal for ego, would it be DJ Ashba? Ryan Roxy or Tommy Hendrickson? Oh, you always get the gold in my thank book, baby. Thank you, thank you. Well, wait, what, what is gold? The worst ego or the least ego? Which way does it go? It's all perspective. It's all the way you look on it. I think I, I think we have our answer, folks. Well, you're all medalists in my book. But yeah, I mean, look, show me a guy without ego. I'll show you someone that doesn't belong on stage. See, That's there's our soundbite. That's our soundbite right now, coming from the kitchen of Glenn your, Sobel right now. That's your your teaser clip. You're gonna sell it on that. Well, I think there's a lot of people that are are interested in that, and they and because it's not this show is not just about you know talking about the past and all the party chicks, blah blah blah, yeah. which is fun, but it's also talking about a lot of people want to. Uh, make it in this business still to this day. They still have that dream and they rely on our guests experience, which you have a lot of and the things that you've done to basically be in the trenches all these years and, you know, survive. Now I get the name of your show. I didn't get it before. Now I understand why it's called what it's called. It couldn't be more of a perfect title for 2020 because we're all friggin' in the trenches right now. Right. How are you holding up? Man? By a thread. I'm good. I'm good. You know, every day I try to do three things. I don't always succeed, but I try to go for a walk three to five miles. I work out in my living room and I play drums. I try to do all these things. I teach a little bit of Skype lessons. I'm not going nuts trying to advertise that. There's a session here or there, but there hasn't been any gigs, of course. There's not going to be that for a while. Well, do you want want more uh, 
because honestly, we could we could put it out there right now. Do you want more Skype gigs, or do you are you trying to keep it under the radar? But if they, if they, they would they go to glensobel.com or just DM you on Instagram if they wanted yeah, to? I, yeah, if people hit me up, yeah, I usually I, I'm down. I just haven't like been putting it out there in a big way. Right. I haven't felt like pushing and selling anything. It's okay if people do it. Yeah. I'm not saying you should be doing anything. Do what you're gonna do. Not like the but way yeah. I'm not like the way I'm pimping my cameo, right? <laughs> Are you doing that? Cameo. It's what people do. <laughs> Are you doing know? cameo? <laughs> Dude, this uh, literally within about maybe I, I put that on the band chat. I said literally within 12 and, and everyone probably thought it was a joke. Maybe, maybe you thought it was a joke, but I said within 12 hours of Alice sign up for cameo, I said, yeah, Coop is doing it. Yeah. I said, there's my green light because you know what? There's going to be a lot of people typing in thinking, um, oh, wow, Alice Cooper. I, I can't afford him, but wait. Ryan Roxy's here. <laughs> Ride the coattails, baby. <laughs> Ride the coattails. Well, I'll be poor man's poor man's, Alice, if they want you, but you're too much, and then I'll be the next level, the next tier. Oh, I got down. that. Yeah. Like I don't know. What are you or maybe you're know. lukewarm water. I don't know. Because you know what? Drummers, let's be let's be really honest. Because I I primarily have had mostly guitarists on in the trenches that's where it started out with because there was a lot of you know oh you had marty schwartz on yeah yeah marty was great he was on last he spoke very highly of you and um we've had many many uh uh guitarists and front men on but you are our first drummer i believe what really I, i do believe and it might start a trend because drummers like tell Tell the chat, tell the crowd, tell who's ever listening right now. And if you are listening, by the way, on Apple or if you're listening on Spotify right now, um, pull your car over, do whatever you're doing. Get onto YouTube Live and check our uh, faces out because it's much nicer to do it that way. But we appreciate you listening. We are here with Glenn Sobel, drummer for Alice Cooper and Hollywood Vampires. All that's coming later. But, you know, tell us what I was just going to talk about before I went off track. Which was what? <laughs> Vic, can you can you remind me? Vic's laughing in the background. Can you please remind me what I was talking about? He won't. Bastard. <laughs> I was, this is a long quarantine, man. It is a know. long it's quarantine. Messing with people. It's messing with my head lately, too. But you we were, were talking about uh, something with, well, not egos. We got through that. Oh, uh, oh drummers are something special. Yes. The, the, thank you very thank much, you. Funky Almadena. See, the, this is another I like reason. That, that screen name, Funky Almadena. There you go. Well, I named her that. I, I have a oh. I have a way of naming people, but um, honestly, good job. Well, I've named a few people. I don't think though that I came up with. I didn't come up with your nickname. You came up with the Sobelizer all by yourself, didn't you? I right? didn't come up with that. That's Michael Miller. Michael Miller. Okay, so so yeah. Glenn Sobel's drum tech, Mike Miller, has. Uh, called you instead of your nickname being the best drummer of rock and roll, he called. Well, that's Alice's yeah. nickname for you, isn't it? Voted number one. Well, I, he's, yeah, he says that on stage every night. It's like, hey. I just know there's people out there going, No, what about Neil Pearl? What about Buddy Rich? What about this guy and this guy? What are you going to do? <laughs> hey, dude, it's not your words, those are Alice's words. That's all you have to <laughs> right. say. That's not me talking, that's Alice. Yeah. But he is the Sobelizer. And what I was going to talk about drummers is that you guys are a special group of musicians no doubt about it you guys hang more than um other musicians do a a lot of guitar players have this uh, you know the perception is there's a lot of ego going on with guitar players but when you really break it down as i found out through doing the show it's really not but but tell us what is so special about the drummers and their relationships 
Yeah, you know, you see us doing our drummer lunches where literally 50 guys show up at like the Stonefire Grill here in Woodland Hills. Yeah, we have that mentality. We like sharing ideas and talking about gigs. We're weird. Drummers are hard <laughs> to understand. We're hard to understand for other musicians. We're hard to understand for like when we have girlfriends. Um, they either get it or they don't. Like, oh, yeah, you guys really like to talk shop. Like, I'm out of here. But, um, yeah, we, we're, we're journeymen more often than other musicians. Like, we'll go from gig to gig. We tend to maybe do a lot of styles more often. We're like chameleons versus stylists more often, I think. But not always. I'm generalizing. But No, but it is exceptions. true. You guys do have this way of communication. And so – so be honest with me. When when some when a drummer gets a really good gig that perhaps maybe you might have been up for, are you genuinely happy for that drummer? And I think the answer is yes. We're, Why wouldn't I be? We're, we're yeah. gu- well, because guitar players wouldn't be. <laughs> no, there's always going to be professional rivalries and jealousies and whatever. But no, I've had some students get some good big gigs like. Oh my God! Uh, one of my former students from way back, Tony Faganson, he became the drummer in Eve Six. Do you remember them? Oh yeah, that band Eve Six, of course. Yeah, yeah. They they had Inside Out. It was all over MTV, and uh, yeah, that was great. Especially because I heard them on the radio on K Rock out here, and I I didn't know who it was yet. I just knew Tony was in some band named Eve Six, mm-hmm. and I heard the drummer. And he was, and I'm like, oh, this guy's cool. He's doing some hi hat stuff. Sounds like some, some something I do. And then the DJ said who it was. I was like. Oh my God! That's that guy, this is Tony. I taught him. Yeah. I taught him how to play drums. Well, I, I taught him a lot when he was sixteen. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good feeling. I was, I was happy that he was on the radio. You know. I have a similar story with Frank from Slash's uh, Slash's oh. solo band. Yeah. Because Frank I taught Sidoris. him. I taught him a lesson. I wasn't his regular teacher, but I did teach mm-hmm. him a couple lessons when he was real young, and uh, cool. then he went on to go. Uh, join Slash's band and then play songs that I co-wrote with Slash. So that was kind of That's a cool, cool. So I, I actually I really, was, really was happy about that. And, and another sort of former student was Phil Demmel from Machine Head Guitar. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I, I remember you talking about him. I didn't know about Frank, though. That's awesome. But That's Phil, Phil Demmel, basically, he... Um, he got to sub in for what was the band that had the the very the Los Angeles based metal band that had the huge last tour, one of the big four, um, but he couldn't do a couple gigs. It wasn't. Come oh, on. Um, one of the big four, or yeah. like past the big. Four? No, no, the big one of the big four. Well, that was Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer. It was, was Slayer. Big, he got to yeah. sub in for Slayer, which brings me to a very huge pinnacle part of your uh, probably, you know, just a very nice highlight of your drumming career. You know, my buddy Phil got to play with Slayer, which he looked up to a lot. You awesome. got to play with Motley Crue when yeah. we toured in 2015 or 14 or whenever. 15. Yeah, you were there. That's crazy. It's five years ago now. So. Would you now? There's a picture that Vic just put up. Of was was that you? Like sort of passing the torch. Uh, you know, he's passing the torch on to you. And what's he saying right there, dude? Besides, dude. <laughs> yeah, right. No, that that was at the very end of playing "Home Sweet Home," which was on the. It was like that hydraulic riser that rises 25 feet in the air while the band does the encore. He Tommy would come out and play piano on that. And uh, he was just like, you know, yeah, dog, give me one of those. And 
somebody caught a really nice photo of it. That's that an cool. amazing photo, actually. And the yeah. thing is, for those he was of you- nothing but cool. He was so cool, and he would hold my arm up like this at the end, like champion. You know, I mean, he was so gracious. But I, this is what I want people to know the whole story because a lot of people know, okay, Glenn subbed in for Motley Crue during the time that Alice Cooper was opening up for Motley Crue or doing a, a headline tour or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a very cool time in our lives, in the band's life. Yeah. It actually helped us out a lot. But then, oh, there's a great picture of, of, of all of us hanging out there. Oh, my God. Have we really that. aged that much in just a short time? <laughs> That's Five, six years ago, yeah. Oh, man. There's one of the 100,001 haircuts of Tommy Hendrickson. I love that. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, imagine that. There's, there's the Bisto talking to Nikki Six. Those bass players always talk. And look at me self-promoting <laughs> with an R77 shirt on. Yep, this is typical. And This is so us, yeah. <laughs> but so what, so what ends up happening is a lot of people know that you did the gigs, but I want them to know how it how quickly it went down because what yeah. tommy was in like some sort of bizarre gardening accident or what what the hell happened <laughs> we'll never really know okay but the, we'll never their, know their uh their production manager robert long you know i had met him way back when i was at beautiful creatures he was working he was a guitar tech with marilyn manson right. and we were doing some shows with manson back in 01 and he was this like legendary tech right and so I wasn't a bit surprised when years later he's the production manager for Motley Crue and Kiss at the same time. Right? Yeah, he's on top of shit, right? He was on oh, top yeah. of it. The most on top of shit guy I've ever seen as far as crew people. So, um, yeah, he called me in my hotel room. We were in Buffalo, New York. Called me like noon. I was just getting out of the shower. And he said, there's something going on tonight. I need to know if you can fill in for Tommy. There's been a problem. And I totally thought it was a joke. I thought... Like I'd say, oh, yeah, man, I'm into it. And then I'd hear a bunch of people in the background go, ha, ha, got you. I really, truly thought that. And and I, I told him, I'm like, all right, who's fucking with me? Come on. And he said, no, dude, I'm serious. Tommy's got a flare-up of tendonitis in his right wrist. He can't play the show tonight. Can you do this? And this happened and, the same. He called you in yeah, the afternoon. Of the show, yeah. Holy shit. And uh, maybe Nikki Six remembered and had the confidence because he remembers me coming in to play 6 a.m.s for a show in 2007, which was a very last-minute thing. I got called on a Friday for rehearsals that began Monday because Will Hunt from Evanescence was going to do it, but I think he got the Evanescence gig back then. So then DJ Ashba, who was in 6 a.m., said, well, you got to call Glenn. He'll come in and he'll know the stuff. He'll, he'll have it. Just send DJ Ashba's been feeding you, man. He's been yeah. feeding you all the way. Yeah, That's he, great, man. Yeah, no wonder guy, he's a silver I, medalist and I'm not the goal. I've never <laughs> given you a gig. In your, well, I got you the goon squad. I got you, you Glenn did. Sobel and the goon squad. It's true. For a short no, time. I, I, owe, I owe all you guys. <laughs> uh, my, uh, my ledger is heavy with uh, black. There it but, is, the goon squad. So, so um, we speak. So, so go on with that Molly story because I, it's, it's the yeah, afternoon. So, and yeah, and he called me and I said, okay, send someone to pick me up, send a runner, have Adam, that was their sound guy. I said, have Adam make a thumb drive of a show. I knew he was recording shows. I said, I got to sit in a production office with my laptop and I got to make, make charts of the show. And people might think, oh, well, it's Motley Crue. You know that. You grew up on it. It's like you can't rely on that. Never. You just can't. No. And the whole band. Oh, my God. Is a chart. It, so so yeah. you're a chart guy. And this is part of yeah. what, what part is of your song? chart. That is 
Okay, that's from a Lucky Strike gig in L.A. That's a Beastie Boys tune, so what you want. Okay. Uh, it, it, see, it's a lot of writing the numbers of bars in sections. It's not transcribing every note. Right. There's like a kick-snare pattern for anyone that knows notation. Right. And you just have you have certain key little transitions. It looks like probably Chinese to some people. Right. No. But, yeah, I, I delineate the choruses. That's CHO for chorus. I basically did that for the next several hours. For in how many songs? Office. Well, how many did they have in the set back I don't then? know, man. It was like, it was, it seemed 20, a, 21. I, I don't it know. It seemed a lot. It seemed like a lot. But yeah. And well, it was like an hour and 45 minutes set without the roller coaster. Right. right something right. like that. And so, yeah. And you can't rely on the vocals. Come on. Vince <laughs> is not singing a lot. He'll do the thing with the microphone like you sing, right? Right. right. So there's the vocal cues are not happening, but you were. No, you some, can't rely on it. You had to have some sort of cues coming in your ear a little bit with that. Or the did you whole, not? The whole band gets the click, which is the metronome. Right. And the, the whole band gets the count offs. And Tommy was able to talk to me in my in-ear monitors, so but you, I didn't want to rely on that. I mean, Tommy Lee's idea of a cue was like, <laughs> stop, like stop right on the stuff. That's on not beat. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh my so, God. No, no. That, but he, he realized after a while that I had it and he was really cool. And in my ears after a while he went, Oh man, you're killing it dog. And uh, maybe sometimes that's all you need. Is it, is it, is another drummer's sort of, you know, confidence and his, his encouragement. Well, you know, it, it's it was stressful, but there wasn't time to freak out about it. And a big thing that helped was I had done this, a very similar thing in 2010 with Vasco Rossi, Italy's biggest rock We're star. We're going to talk about him subbing, in a little bit. Yeah. yeah, subbing for our good friend and amazing drummer, Matt Logg, who had an injury. But yeah, so the whole band gets the click track and there's some slates in the click, meaning the, the guy Viggy that makes the tracks, right. he would add vocal cues to end wild side. Chorus coming. A long, yeah. A long outro. And, but they didn't tell me any of this. They weren't like telling me and prepping me. I didn't see Tommy Lee until I was walking to the stage. Right. And yeah. I just had to guess a lot of things like, you know, I'll bet, the count off for anarchy in the UK is a one bar quick count off because Nikki finishes that 10 minute speech of how the band met and then they just started no count off. Wow. And I was, I, I guessed correctly. Yeah. And nobody's wow. telling me this stuff. No, no, the honestly, first night. I think you, you play your, your, you're at your top of your game almost when it's like on the seat of your pants because yeah. I, cause I've seen you at many throw and go gigs that we've had with goon squad and um, also hold on, Nick Glenn told me that the Motley Crue show was physically easier than the Alice show. Well, of course, we're going to talk about the breaks in a little bit. Uh, of course, Nick, yeah. that's true. But, but as far as getting back to uh, Glenn's drumming, I feel that when you're put under pressure like that, you play at the top of your game. Is it, and is that something that a lot of drummers can do? Or is that something that you've been able to, sort of build up over the years of course it builds up that there's a skill set and an art form of that and when you're subbing any gig like that especially last minute um the best compliment you can get is that they forget you're there like you don't want to say like oh well he played it that way i'm going to do it this way no you want to copy and do your best impersonation nobody plays like tommy lee exactly but 
if you're familiar with the band and is playing, you you do an impression. And yeah, growing up with the band helped, and it helped being on tour with them on and off for a good while. But yeah, did you have to? It's focus, focus, much focus. But let me ask you this: because if someone just handed me Mick Mars' guitar and said, "Yo, go play out some Molly Crew songs," and I, even though if I knew them, it would be foreign to me to play on mixed guitar. Did you have to play Nikki's or uh, uh, Tommy's drums or did you have, no, your own, no, no, you had your own. No, it was, kit. it was my kit between sets, Mike Miller and Tommy's technique scaled down my kit to a smaller version. Oh, so it was still your kit, but it had a yeah. different configuration than what you yeah. would play with Alice Cooper. So, yeah. but see, to me, that's, that's still different. That's like from going from, okay, I'll play with like three cabinets to like, okay, now you're going to play with just in-ears. And it's, it's, yeah, it's I mean, Molly different. Crew, it's not as, it's not as busy of a gig as Alice. It's a heavy groove, lots of four on the floor. How many Alice songs are we doing that are four on the floor? I can't think of any. Be My Lover, you, you know? always start four on the floor. <laughs> yeah, it's just the kick though. That but yeah, the that's the closest thing. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so quick. but a typical a typical Motley Crue tune is like Primal Scream. It's heavy groove stuff, you know, or Dr. Feelgood or Girls, Girls, Girls. That's right. typical. It's less busy. So it's no big deal that I had less drums. I thought it was better so for that. I think that 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 gig in that that short amount of time, you obviously say, you know, we always say Glenn Sobel saved rock and roll. You definitely saved the <laughs> tour for that uh, that moment in time because you know it's it's it really is scary when one major member like that can go down and then uh, all yeah. of a sudden who's there to pick up the slack? I mean, we're we're lucky in the sense that. Uh, with with Alice with the guitar players, you know, if if someone was we we've done gigs with two with two guitar players and yeah. you know oh yeah I, I've even done a gig with one guitar player in the yeah in Minneapolis <laughs> but the in thing, Minneapolis yeah, that's right that's right but but the thing is when when you have a focal member like Tommy Lee that goes down you did carry the tour for those days that that, that ended up happening so that obviously helped you with the, with the whole career. Yeah, I felt people's pain, you know. It, it, back then, that was their their farewell tour. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So this was people's last chance to see the band. And, man, that first night, they didn't tell anybody, remember? They didn't announce that, hey, our drummer is, is hurt. And so the first song is Girls, 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 and it's that first night in Buffalo. And Tommy Lee was always backlit, you know, he what there was never a spotlight on that on tour. Him. He chose to be backlit. Yeah, yeah. Right. He was like this ominous, shadowy figure. So I could just feel it in the crowd on girls, girls, girls. We just start, and people in the crowd going like, "Wait a minute, is that Tommy? No, that's not Tommy." <laughs> <laughs> and then well, there was three songs. It was always girls, 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 Wild Side, Primal Scream, and then Vince Neil said every night, "Well, I think you see something's different up here tonight. We don't have Tommy." Boo! <laughs> Thanks for the intro. Yeah. Thanks right. for the intro. But, nah, he would always say, "Let he say, let's bring out the man to tell you what's going on. Let's bring out the man himself." And Tommy would come out, and yeah. you know, it's same thing. Do you all know what tendonitis is? Well, it's fucked up. Yeah. And he'd say that every night, but he would always give me props. And he'd Dr. say, Lee. "My man, my man, Glenn, is on the drums, beating the fuck out of the drums. So we're cool." Never fear the crew's here, bitches, and he'd leave. And it, it was like 
I want them over every night, I guess. Well, in a way, you know what? Let's let's just let's call it for what it is. In a way, it's more historical for anyone that went that went to go see Motley Crue and saw any of those four shows during that farewell tour. Five, yeah. It's even even more special. But who knows how many more uh, incidents will happen before now and the next time they go on the, the tour? Because we're, <laughs> I mean, they've already delayed this next delayed yeah. tour to next year. But we're all like I said, we're in the same boat, and that's why we're sitting here talking right now. That's why we're in the trenches we're here with glenn sobel from the alice cooper band and of course now i am moving on a little bit to what we are currently doing what we are currently sort of promoting i know that you're on the podcast tour because you said you've been doing a lot of these lately um but this week we actually have something to promote right both me and you playing in the alice cooper band we have something we can talk about because it's out there. Can we there. talk about oh, yeah. what's it's, out there? It's, it's out there on the websites. It's coming out. It's, it's, what, what are we talking about? We're exactly. talking about Whackin' Live. We're talking Will about- you talk about that? Yes, because Whackin' Live right now is is on the websites. It's everywhere. Alice is actually, uh, he's on a schedule. I saw it this morning. Oh, okay. So I, I, I didn't know. Yeah. I, didn't know I, I know. We never, we're the last people to know, folks, about yeah. shows. I, I usually find out from Federock or I find out from Kanak. Yeah, I found we find out, out from our friends yeah, and fans. We, yeah. found, we find out from the people that support us where we're playing and when we're playing and what gigs got canceled. Well, this one is not canceled, folks. This is something that we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing a live stream for the, the anybody you guys know the Vakken Festival. Uh, Glenn and I have played it uh, a couple times. Both times, I think we've we've filmed it, right? I think. Well, yeah, that's the DVD from 2013. Yeah, it was well. Actually, didn't they they do it again? Oh, I've I've seen footage with it with Nita. So we've we've had we did it yeah. with with Ori. We did it in twenty sixteen. Yeah, with Orianthi and yeah. with Nita. So, mm-hmm. um, we've done this Vakken Festival. is about eighty thousand people. Biggest crowd I've ever played in front of. I mean, you might have done some bigger shows with vampires, but no, this, that's that's probably about the, the biggest. Yeah, yeah, it, it was that huge. or the Australia thing we did back. Oh, just Denver. recently that was seventy seven thousand though. I I, I kept, oh, okay. yeah, I kept tabs on that. So Vakken is it, it just was like a sea of people and um yeah. and so right now because of this whole seaward crap that we're going through um we they are putting together an online festival and i and alice is slated to go on thursday first he has an interview if you can go on oh to, it's that soon yes it's this thursday. i didn't realize it was coming right up okay <laughs> no nobody tells me these things <laughs> it's like a month from now or something no it's literally thursday folks that we are going to be and that's why it's good for us to promote it because uh we we were able to play a couple yeah we're going to play a couple songs and uh again you thanks to your guys support that are all hanging out in the chat always and always supporting us as the alice cooper band we get to sort of play for you a little bit in 2020 i mean we, we we did do I mean, you want to talk about that? The, we did play in 2020. We were lucky enough to actually have some gigs in early 2020, yeah. right? Australia, man, that was the last great tour run we were talking about earlier, and it was. It was. It was just. It was perfect. What was wrong with that? No, nothing. What was the bill? It was. It was uh, MC50, which is basically MC5 with Wayne, Wayne Kramer. The 50th anniversary of MC5. Yeah, Alice's old Detroit buddy Wayne Kramer from 50 years is. back. 
Did you did you Crazy. take any pictures? I'm, I'm leading my producer like so completely. Like, did you take yeah. any pictures with uh, Wayne? Gray? And he's like scrambling. I can see him backstage there's scrambling. One, just put one the picture, picture up, Vic. Come on, buddy. That now all of a sudden I'm, st- I'm I'm acting like a Dika. Just put the picture up. Come on. No, but I mean, it, you that one picture where Wayne looks all gangster in his hoodie. That's cool. And there yeah, it that is. one. How about that? Yeah. Well, what a cool guy. The guy's got stories for days, just like Coop does. And I, and I see Alice in the back. I'm sure he's oh, yeah. telling he's telling a story that probably he's embellishing an, a story. <laughs> you can you can, you can just tell. <laughs> he, he's telling a story, but there's he's definitely embellishing it's a little mushy. bit. He's doing this. He's you ever let the truth get in the way of a good story. That's that's actually one of the segments in the show, but we don't have to do that now because we just addressed it. I love it. But we also had um, in that band with MC50, you know a couple of our heroes that played in grunge bands in Soundgarden. We had Kim Thiel was playing yeah. guitar in that band. It was a really great tour. I mean, it was really, really yeah. perfect. Um, maybe Vic and has that Billy photo Gould you, from Faith, Billy Gould from Faith No More was on bass, and right. Brendan Canty from Fugazi was on drums. And they were all just cool. And, uh, yeah, Kim Thiel was great. We were talking about old-school jazz fusion and shit. You know, he was good dude. I mean, you don't know when you meet people how they're going to be. Yeah, he was, he cool, was great. Yeah. He was such a great yeah. guy. And and the thing is, I mean, also the band Airborne, um, yep. you know, Vic, can you put that picture up of Airborne? Um, <laughs> he's, he's going, what picture? Ah! <laughs> yeah, I'm just joking with you, Vic. So anyway, folks, <laughs> you guys, honestly, you got some good pictures of the guy. I see. I didn't get that many pictures with the guys. I should have just thought about it before. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I think maybe the last night I might have crowded in because how do you feel about that? Like, because you, you've played now, you've been surrounded by a lot of big names. It's not just the it's not just Alice Cooper, but you've also play with the Hollywood vampires, which is a whole nother uh, circle of famous people and stuff. Um, are you pretty hesitant when you come about getting pictures or does it matter to you? Yeah, no, I, I am. See that thing like that with like Kim and Wayne, it was like the last night of the tour. Oh yeah. Somebody took that at Johnny and I from, I think Christmas pudding, but no, when it comes to that, it's like, Oh, Hey man, it was so great hanging with you. And Hey, we should do a quick picture. That kind of thing. Right. You don't do it when you first meet people. You just, when you're, friendly and friends it's all good that's true that's true Is oh it- that was uh phil chen robbie krieger and robbie Orianti. krieger from that- the doors yeah i yeah. see that that was a, a session that was a blast that's at robbie krieger's studio and it was an ori tune that she was recording for uh, a movie that's right Oh, it was a blast of a session. Oh, there's your girlfriend. There's your girl. She <laughs> loves you. Folks, that's Wonder Woman. That's Linda Carter. And yeah. and uh, she actually does really have a, a secret crush on Glenn, I believe. You know, <laughs> She's very sweet. And Pretty her whole much, family is just great. Yeah. Every everybody in America has a, has a secret crush on Linda Carter, but but Linda Carter has a secret crush on Glenn. So there you go. How about that? <laughs> well, she likes when I play drums with her, but uh, oh yeah, no, she she's great. She's just the sweetest thing, and she has a cool selection of songs. You know, when she plays in Maui with us, I was going to say you've also not maybe a few people that haven't gone down the Glenn Sobel rabbit hole uh, know that you actually have played in Orianthi's band as well. See, yeah, and uh, not just with Alice Cooper, but you played in her solo band as well. Yeah, I did some solo dates. Chuck and I did a, a Japan run with her back in 2013, and then I've done some other, well, U.S. dates, and uh, I did a Brazil run with her and Richie Sambora in 2016. 
that's a whole different thing because there was Bon Jovi songs and there was, of course, Ori songs and uh, some other blues covers. There was a lot of jamming. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. They, they love to jam. I think the jam but I guess, was... I guess we, we won't talk about that too much because that's like, you know, a subject that... Yeah, maybe, maybe we don't want to talk about it. But I want to talk about the charts. I mean, the charts were just probably one bar with the jam chart. Like, it, instead of like 13 bars, they're like 64 or something. Yeah. Well, even the Bon Jovi tunes, like, those got jammed out a lot. Like, I'll be there for you, the outro guitar solo till, you know, way five minutes down the road. You know, he, he liked to jam things out. It was his way of just doing whatever he wanted. And it was great. He yeah. was nothing but cool. Well, I mean, you you definitely have played with the spectrum of guitar players. You play with guys that are, you know, ultra prepared like myself. And then you've played with guys. You are. No, <laughs> no I, I, I do pride myself in being prepared. In the, we, those... do. we all pride ourselves on that. We are prepared dudes. That's the one thing. It, it might be a curse because we don't get paid uh, – days to rehearse because we don't really have days to rehearse to yeah. be honest with you when a, when a tour starts so it could be a that's a, the problem when you're too prepared they expect you to show up and the rehearsal gets smaller every time but until it, it's like a day or a sound check but this band honestly is prepared that's why i think they have such confidence in us that we can do that even even for this vakin live performance you know that we it basically came together there it is that's what's happening on thursday you're gonna go check out um the whole alice cooper band we're gonna play you know it's not a full-on concert it's just a few songs but you know what definitely worth checking out and um you know we're, that's why they they hire us. I guess that's why we're we're the higher guns because we are prepared. Which you know, yeah. and there and there's the front lineup, and there you are right there on the side, which is you know, it's a good picture of you though. You're centered right there. If you can see that. <laughs> but which it's okay. Which leads me to your you know, you're not just a musician, drummer, and um, you know, personality. You're an actor. You've been in Higher me? Gun. How, oh, how yeah. is what was that experience I, I like? Recited my lines really good in that movie. No, Higher Gun, it's still this documentary that people discover to this day, and they might contact me, or if I see people around, they'll say, oh, I just saw on, like, Amazon Prime, I just saw Higher Gun. Um, yeah, I made a lot of good friends out of that, including the director, Fran Strine. Cool. A lot of cool stories from that guy. And, yeah, it was, it was the story of people doing what we do, right. backing up the big names and there's some sad stories and there's some inspiring stories and everything in between in that movie. It's like, it's, it's good for people that want to do this thing, the music biz. But then again, it's like, is this discouraging? Cause there's some like heavy stuff in there. Well, you, I, I figure it's a good you, movie. if you can survive this year with music and be and still at the end of the day, be a uh, musician at the oh, yeah. end of this year, you'll be able to survive anything. And, and let's be honest, being hired guns, We've always been under financial crisis. We've always kind of been living gig to gig. And, and a lot of people don't understand that. There isn't a lot of, you know, it's not like a union benefit thing, even though you could be yep. part of the union, musicians union. It doesn't feel like you're part of this union. You're kind of on your own, right? Yeah, yeah, you are. The musicians union does not cover as many gigs as people might think. Right, no doubt, no doubt. Well. Yeah. So check it out on Thursday with the Alice Cooper band. We're going to be play, playing. And now it's time to move on to a segment we have, Let the People Speak. Because you know what? The people that are in our chat have been uh, sort of 
putting in some great questions. They've been in a lot of great input, and we really appreciate you guys being part of the the show because you do uh, make it what it is. And uh, our first one does uh, sort of uh, rely on Vasco Rossi. You mentioned him earlier. It's from Federock, who actually helps us a lot with the show. Um, oh, nice. But, but Federock was uh, her question is how was the Italian experience with Vasco Rossi? as well as former Alice Cooper guitarist, Steph Burns. Burns. Yeah. What was yeah. That? That's, that's great. This is, this is like right before I got called about joining the Alice band. Um, Vasco Rossi is the biggest rock star in Italy. I was saying before, I mean, hands down, it's all just stadiums and arenas with him. He's in his sixties. He speaks no English. And, uh, in 2010, September 2010, I got a phone call from a, a, a producer, an Italian producer that lives in L.A., a guy named Saverio Principini. He's definitely <laughs> Italian. Yeah. You think? Yeah, you think? But, yeah, I met this guy when I was doing a random cover gig at a sports bar in La Crescenta with Chuck Wright and Jason Hook. In, I met him in 2007. This producer walked in with another mixing engineer that mixed a record I did. And I met this guy, Saverio, and he called me to do a demo session at his studio, at his home studio back then. So I showed up and he saw me chart out the demo he had in Pro Tools. And he saw that I read music and I was able to, you know, write out the kick snare patterns and deal with changes on the spot. Again, Three years with those later. Notes. Those notes yeah. have helped you all the time. Totally. That's key. It keeps me working. I always say that. So three years later, after not keeping in touch with him too much, he calls me about this thing. He says, okay, there's this huge Italian gig and Matt Log, the drummer, he has an injury. A little history on Matt Log. A little history on Matt Log. Oh, he's Matt, amazing. Matt Log is one of the one of the greatest rock drummers around. Um, I I played with him. We we made Slash's yeah. Snake Pit Ain't Life Grand together. He's on we, a lot of Morissette's first record. He he played on You Ought to Know that track. Um, he's played on. I think he actually played on the uh, New Radicals album as well, yeah. which is which is a yeah. one of my favorite albums of all time. But you know, sure. for for the the years that I played in Slash's Snake Pit, uh, Matt was a, such a great go to guy and. Not, again, not just a drummer, but a songwriter, plays yeah. guitar, comes up with riffs. So he gets injured. He goes down. You're the next man up. Yeah, and I, I had a feeling that he, Saverio said, biggest rock star in Italy and Matt. I'm like, I said, are you talking about Vasco Rossi? He went, yeah, you've heard of him because Vasco's had all these American drummers. He's had uh, Dean Castronova. He's had Kenny Aronoff, Jonathan Moffat from Michael Jackson's band. So I knew of this Italian guy that had all these American drummer dudes. And I didn't know how big he was. He's just like the biggest. It, it felt like there's a law in Italy that says if you live there, you have to know every word to his songs. <laughs> That's and what it felt like. Don't 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 the Rolling Stones actually like co-headline tours with him in Italy because or something they like that. Easily, they easily could, you know, Vasco did his like 40th anniversary show in Modena, Italy a couple years ago. And it was like a record breaking audience of like 150,000 or something God. like that. Right. And it was the biggest fireworks display I've ever seen. Cause there's, there's YouTube of it. But anyways, um, yeah. And I, I had to learn in three days I had to learn t almost 25 songs sung in Italian that I'd never heard before. So I was up for two days straight doing the charts. And that's when you know the pressure's on. They've called everyone else that's done the gig prior. That's what you do. You call 
the people that used to do the gig. If they're in good standing, see if they're available. No one was available. Um, they called my mentor, Greg Bissonette, who had played on one of Bosco's records. He also played with uh, David Lee Roth. He played yeah. with so many great my, bands as well. Yeah, yeah. Joe Satriani plays in Ringo Starr's All-Star Band now. Wow. And uh, they asked Greg, can you do this gig? And I think he said, I can. I, I got Ringo Starr dates. And Severio said, well, I'm thinking of calling Glenn Silver. You know him? And Greg said, yeah, call him. He's great for this. You're nowhere without allies in this business. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Greg is, I owe him too, big time. But yeah, and I charted this stuff out and I knew that I was the the Hail Mary, you know, the guy they were going to last on the list. And I wanted to come in that first day and, and kill it and make them and feel at ease. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, over over prepared. It's like if you're just prepared, you're not prepared. You gotta be over prepared. Uh, like like I say about being on time with Alice, it's like five minutes early is five minutes uh, late. So but maybe I'm the wrong person to ask about time with you. <laughs> Maybe you're my wrong guest. <laughs> I just thought of that. Hey, we never go on late. Let, let me move on then to a question from OJ. We never go on late. No, we never do. We always, and we never cancel a gig. That's important. At Joanna underscore Noel, you're drumming heroes. Do you have a drumming hero? Oh, I mean, you God, named yeah. a lot of allies. But so many. You- so many. I mean, look, it started, it's so typical. It started because of Neil Peart and John Bonham. But fortunately, I discovered a lot of other people after that. I got heavy into, of course, a lot of other rock drummers, Alex Van Halen, but then I discovered the 70s, 80s jazz fusion guys and all the progressive guys, Phil Collins, Terry Bozio. Um, it's it's easier to say, like, you know, who isn't an influence? I, I'm just influenced by everyone. That's such a hard question. But, yeah, there's been a lot of, good big influences that I've had the honor and fortune to have met and even befriend in my life, but started because of Russian Zeppelin. Yep. It goes back to those, those major heroes of Neil Peart. And do you think part of the reason, because I don't know as much about your drum endorsements. I'm like more into the guitar endorsements and stuff, but do me, I'm only assuming that, that, uh, drummers feel the same way. Do you usually play the same brand and cymbals and kit as your drum heroes played, or is it, or does it happen differently? Because now you are a DW endorsed drummer, and that's a killer looking kit that Vic just put up on the uh, on the screen right now. That's the Hollywood yeah. Vampires kit. But you know, your earlier kits was it because of the drum heroes that you had that you played the same kit? Yeah, I'd say DW didn't exist back in the 80s as a drum company. They just just made pedals back then. But, yeah, I mean, I at least wanted to make my setup look like Neil Peart's as far as, you know, a six-inch tom all the way down to an 18-inch floor tom. It was a little bit mix and match, but you do what you can when you're a kid. Was that the largest kit that you've ever had? Can you remember the largest amount of drums that you've had as a kit? Yeah, it was probably that. It was like six, eight, ten... 12, 13, seven toms, you know, that's what everyone did back then. Nice. And a uh, single bass drum, but yeah, it was all about trying to copy Neil. But then I discovered Zeppelin, and I'm like, wow, he's doing all that on a five-piece kit. Right. That's crazy. So then you yeah, start and- scaled down. Well, I've, I've, seen you play, I've seen you play shows, Goon Squad shows, basically on really, really run-down, simple. <laughs> Those get fun. Yeah, <laughs> what they have. But uh, didn't Glenn set a Guinness World Record for drumming? Did you? 
Well, years years ago, there was this thing. Uh, it was this device. That, it's still around. It's called a drumometer. And they used to have these competitions where you do a single stroke roll and you hold it for a minute. And a single they, stroke they roll, like like uh, get, right fill left, us right in. left, right left, okay. but like super fast. And so this machine counts how many strokes you play, and you could set it for sixty seconds. And I, I don't have an official world's record on it. At the time, it was like. 1,071 strokes in a minute. I hit like 1,029. I'm in the 1,000-plus club. But <laughs> is, that, is, that know, the, is that like the triple comma club? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Trace comas? Trace comas? Yeah. I don't know. But you're, you're in the 1,000 single stroke. Yeah, of, in a minute. Uh, dude, I, I got to get in the Guinness Book of World Records. Thank you, Brian no, Kozlowski. You question. know, it's just my hand, my right hand started hurting a little bit. So I'm like, all right, I'm done. But it was really fun to do it while it lasted. But it's a sport. It, even there was ESPN2 for a while, and they covered it as an extreme sport, okay. which was a trip. Yeah, it might be on YouTube, us doing that. But, yeah, that was fun. If it had anything to do with the speed in my right hand, I think I am up for a Guinness Book of World <laughs> Records in some place. <laughs> Maybe I know what I are. mean. But let's move on a little bit to who the people are talking at. Mike Usnick, another amazing interview. That's not a question, but thank you very much, Mike. That's a actual <laughs> statement. And I another amazing interview. Another amazing interview. He's happy. The, the the pink sock. Mike loves. He loves the show. He loves the podcast. We love all you guys for listening to in the trenches. We are here with Glenn Sobel. And uh, if you're watching us and you're just joining in, there's so much to catch up on. But uh, hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Uh, another question we have at from at long hair. How much input do you guys have on an Alice Cooper set? Hmm. Oh, we make the set every night. We take turns. <laughs> well, I think honestly, when, when we're doing those rehearsals, though, there are a lot of suggestions that come in. I say yeah. in the last in the last hours. I mean, I got to be honest with you, and, and I'm not going to sit here and, and pat myself on the back, but I kind of am. But uh, yeah, pat, pat away. Yeah, I, uh, but uh, bed of nails. You know, that, you? that came in the last minute. That was talk about Hail Marys with Vasco. I, I just threw the Hail Mary. I think the last room because we need just one more song. And then Bed of Nails ended up. And then to me, that's one of the. Uh, one no, of, it's one of my favorites. In the one set. of the favorite songs to play. So yeah. every once and in a while was, we get lucky. That was one of those days in rehearsal where it was like pulling out your hair because it's like, all right, we're not going to do whatever that song. Scrap that. Yeah. We're going to do Desperado. And so I went upstairs to my room and I'm started making the cheat sheet on Desperado and I'm almost done. And I get the text message. We're not doing Desperado. <laughs> now it's better nails. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> so yeah. you start learning and hurry up. We got to get downstairs and rehearse. I'm learning better nails. You just told me five minutes ago. Because we only have 48 hours to rehearse. <laughs> yeah. And I hadn't eaten dinner and I was grumpy, but no, I'm glad we did that yeah. song. It's great. Glenn does need his food, by the way. but And he did eat before this Burning interview. Calories. Yeah, he, he did eat before because he's in his kitchen right now. So he Drink better have eaten breakfast. already. Um, one last question from uh, the people. It's at uh, Thomas Z. Bizlanzanik. Do you use SPDSX for effects only during the AC show, or ha is it has some backing tracks there too? And I don't know yeah. what that means. Well, Please yeah, he's talking about S Roland SPD pads. He's talking about. I've got a, a Roland multi pad set up next to me, and then Mike Miller has one down by him as well to trigger some extra sounds. So yeah, I I'm using some of the SPD pads but I've got the one multi-pad 
But we don't use backing tracks in the traditional sense that bands no. use backing tracks because that's the thing that that is a everybody's singing. You yeah. guys are singing for real. There's 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 like five or six singers. I mean, Cheryl is off stage, but Cheryl's in the show, so she so it counts. She's uh, Cheryl is yeah. Alice's wife. Cheryl Cooper. She sings like an angel in in like you know right off stage when she's not actually cutting yeah, Alice's head off. A lot of people off. don't know that. No, a lot of people don't know that when she's not cutting off Alice's head or she's being yeah. like psycho nurse, Franzi, bed of nails came from you. My eternal thanks will haunt you. Well, you're haunting me now, Franzi. Thank you very much. Um, I'm wondering which one of the tough is a tougher set to play an Alice Cooper set or a Hollywood vampire set. So let's, so with that, with that question, let's move on to your sort of transition because it's, you said before, it's all about having these allies and you've definitely had an ally in Tommy Hendrickson because he brought you in and that was one of the points I was going to make early. He sort of brought you into the Alice Cooper fold, right? He did. Yeah, He did. Yeah. 10 years ago in 2010, there was the, I, I didn't even know it was called Alice does Alice. Did you see that recently? No. What's uh, that? Well, it's, it's when, well, it was the remakes, the note for note remakes. We the ones did that they used, was it the ones that they used for guitar hero and stuff like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, okay. it was for that and any other uses. You know, this is the thing a lot of people don't know. There's artists that re-record their own hits years later, yep. and they do it note for note, and they try to copy it exactly because if a movie, TV show, video game wants those songs, a certain song, well, they got to, like, deal with an old label that's maybe not even in existence anymore, and you got to deal with rights holders and licensing fees, and now there's a loophole. The artist can re-record their own song. Well, it's, but it's a loophole case, for the artist, so I'm actually supporting it for, for a change. Because every fucking loophole for a musician is usually screwing the musician. Yeah, so finally we right. get so one that helps So this is them getting back at the label. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so, yeah, and Bob Ezrin was brought in, the original producer, and Tommy was working with Bob Ezrin in Nashville. Tommy was tasked with bringing in the musicians and he brought in me and Reb Beach and Greg Smith, and we redid like Schools Out and Mr. No More Mr. Nice Guy, elected a bunch of songs. And I had to make note for note transcriptions. It wasn't cheat sheets, it was every note. And elected is busy. That's a lot of notes. Right. And I had to mimic Neil Smith's style and Whitey Glenn for Welcome to My Nightmare. Totally different vibe with his plan. Of course. And uh, that's what started the whole thing. And a year later, when uh, Bob was going to produce the show a year before you came back in. Was it before I came back? And I think that was yeah. called the Alice welcome to my nightmare, right? With the album and stuff right around then. Well, the name of the tour. Um, wasn't it about that or no, it was again, no more Mr. Nice guy. Or yes. Something like that. It was the Norm Mr. Nice guy tour. Yeah. They, Bob was going to produce the show. He wanted to make some lineup changes and Tommy suggested me and Alice. And then we're in the studio mixing uh, that record that came out in 2011 which I'm blanking on. I the believe name that's of. welcome to my nightmare. Yes. Oh yeah. Two, right. Yeah. The number two. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. So they were working on that, mixing it. And, uh, I, I guess Alice heard that I was suggested, but I'd never met him. You know, I did that session, but you don't meet the artists you record for a lot. Not a lot. You're just this, you just a session guy with the producer. And so I guess Tommy pulled up some YouTube cause Alice said, well, he gets the vibe of the music, but I got to see him. My drummer's got to be flashy or something like that. Yep. And Tommy pulled up some YouTube of something. And Tommy said, I'm not insane. I'm not an alcoholic, blah, blah, blah. I'm cool. And he called me at home. 
and I was asleep, of course, two hours earlier in L.A. And Tommy's like, uh, so, uh, yo, I'm sitting here with Mr. Cooper and uh, we're looking at you on YouTube and you want to do this gig? And I went, I was half asleep. I'm like, yeah, man. But I got to do, do a podcast first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said, yeah, man, let's do it. And he goes, all right, you're in. Click. And, and that was it. And wow. I, I met Alice on the first day of rehearsal. That's nice. And then we've gone on to make uh, many a tour together. And then again, Tommy shines down. Well, there that was, I think, just on the last tour that we had um, somewhere in New York. There it is. And yeah. I think after, uh, again, Tommy shines his light on you and brought you into the vampires as well. The, the Hollywood vampires. He, he did. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's about it's about having a backing band that is going to hold everything together. We know this doing what we do that we got to be those reliable people. So the front man can have this like cushion of like, you know, security to do their thing. So it's that above all that I think he knows that I'm going to help provide. I mean, the drums are the foundation people say, so you got to provide this framework. And with the vampires, things get loose. It's cool that they do. There's open-ended sections, and sometimes someone will come in late, early. It's kind of great that that happens because the Alice gig is so structured, which is great on on its own. And that where we're like a Broadway show with timing and props. Yep. Vampires is the world's – it's like a bar band, the world's most expensive bar band, Alice calls it. <laughs> no doubt about and, it. Yeah, and Joe Perry is going to do what he's going to do with solo sections, and you don't have to worry about it being exactly – the same number of bars for certain solos or intros can be weird. It's, it, you got to fly by the seat of your pants and listen and pay attention. And there might be many little train wrecks on stage that most people don't notice, but we do. And we got to like react in real time. Right. So yeah, he really said, I'm the, I'm the guy to, to do that. And then I had to do like these late night, all night, demo recording sessions for the record at Johnny's house. Which well, that's the thing because I, I, I feel that the Alice band is such a structured thing. Cause like you say, we have to be at a certain time, you know, we have to be at a certain place at a certain time during yeah. the set every single night because you can, you rely. guys have blocking, you guys have blocking cues. I, I, exactly. And you, yeah. cause, cause you know that Alice is going to be swinging his sword at this certain line every time because yeah. because once he gets that into his his sort of backbone into his, his sort of repertoire he's he's got it and, and and he's on he's on point every single night whereas with the vampires it's much more hey you know it's kind of like johnny depp's personality kind of like you know yeah, hey exactly. man give you a big hug and everything's yeah. cool and and you know and joe perry's got his shirt down looking like cool as fuck and and then yeah. but then the album has that vibe too and yeah. and that's what i thought tommy did such a great job of producing the album and this album you're drumming towards that you were talking about it I heard sometimes you had to come in at like 2 a.m. or, you know, you had to come into the studio on their schedule. The funny thing is the first night, you know, Tommy wanted to lock me in for the record. I mean, Johnny, Joe, they knew I was sounding how I sounded on the Alice gig, but they wanted to know that I would fit that vibe and take direction from all three of them. And so Tommy said, okay, you got to come to Johnny's on Wednesday night. And, uh, you got to do this demo session so they know you're the guy for this record. 
and I'm, it was NAM week, you know, the music industry trade show NAM. for those that don't know. I said, I, I can't. I got a gig Wednesday night. I was playing with Richie and Ori in Anaheim right. and a few other artists. I was in the house band backing up a bunch of people, including Richie and Ori. I told Tommy, I can't. I got a gig. He said, it doesn't matter. Come after. I said, dude, my gig's in Anaheim. He said, doesn't matter. Come after. I said, if I come after my gig, I won't get there till 1.30 in the morning. He said, perfect. They're just getting going at that time. And <laughs> That's and when they're I, waking up. <laughs> yeah. They're literally vampires, Johnny and Joe. So I show up, 1.30, 1.45, whatever, and did this demo for the song that became Get From Round on the record. And I don't know what I did. By the time I was getting ready to track after I made the cheat sheets of the demo, the structure, Johnny said, like, brother, play something impossible. I was like, no problem. It's really late. And whatever I played at three in the morning, it was one of those things where they got demo-itis, where they got so into what the demo was. Yeah, it had to they be the same me, thing. Yeah, they wanted me to copy on the record what I did at three in the morning. And I had to write out what I'm like, I played that? Oh my God, I got to copy <laughs> But that. you said it was impossible. So how can I just, re <laughs> how can I redo it again if it was impossible? Yeah, yeah I had to do it again and impossible repeats. Oh, but it's just funny how that stuff happened. And there was a handful of nights of those kind of sessions where it was just late. It is what it is. Funky Almadena wants to know if you do a, a funny Tommy impersonation. Well, yeah, you kind of do. Yeah, you, you, I've known 30 years. You, you, you've, <laughs> you, and you still ride on the bus. Like uh, the Alice band has two buses now. Trust me, the first few years that we were all together, we, we were all riding on the same bus. But, uh, Isn't that crazy? Well, thanks to the vampires. Thanks to the vampires. We, because uh, I think on the first vampires tour. No, that's not why. That's not why we split. Really? No, it's because when Alice did the Rock Meets Classic tour oh, in Germany he, he enjoyed in 2012, that, that single bus. that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So, so Chuck and I sort of tagged along with Alice on that because we're his golf buddies. And then, uh, and then, but, but it does make things nice in the sense that two different buses, yeah. we don't see each other, you know, so much during the day. Sometimes we'll go out, nights off, we'll go out to eat and stuff, but then we'll get to the gig and we are one of those rare bands, I think, that does hang, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Because we do hang out a lot. We eat at catering together a lot. We hang out before, after. We're in the dressing room. It's just hours and hours. And how many people do we know on other gigs that we won't name that hate some people in their camp? Yeah, that was last you know? year. That, that was no. That no, you know what? That was, that this, was year. this year. Oh my god! That, that was, was in that was in Christchurch, New Zealand. That, that was actually the last gig of 2020 for the Alice Cooper Band so yeah. far until this Thursday when we play the Vakken Live um, Festival, which you guys should you know, all check out. We debuted it you, here, and um, I think it's 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 no you know it's no secret. It's definitely out there. It's just uh, this Thursday we're going to be uh, rocking it. So yeah, you you know how to sell it, man. It's the first Alice gig since the last gig in February. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of that. Look, at, but but then there we had is. this we had this amazing run out in Australia, and New Zealand, and thank God for for Vic. Remember maybe, what we did? Remember what we did in the span of forty eight hours? We played. We did what? We did. An we were arena. part of the sack pack. We're the sack pack. We, right? we did I, a stadium, I, I, an arena, and a club in forty eight hours time. The you know what? Pack, I, right? Every single day, <laughs> folks. Every single time that I do this, I forgot this. about the sack. 
Not Mike Fasano. And he's, he, you know what? Mike Fasano's watching right now in the chat right now. Of course he is. Yeah. So, so hello, Your old Mike. dad's porno mag drummer. It all goes back to 77. <laughs> but every time that I do this, every time I do the podcast, I'm usually the only SAC member, you know, hanging out doing it. But now I'm joined with fellow SAC member, uh, Glenn Sowell, because a, to be in the SAC pack, you have to have played <laughs> a stadium, arena, and club within a 24 hour span. And I I think there's very yeah. few people that have done that. Did we do it in 24? I think we did. Yeah, because yeah. it was there were two two in one night: the arena right. and the club, and then the stadium. That's right. And, oh my god! And we went on we went on earlier hours. in the stadium. So within 24 hours, right. that, that those are the Dude, official regulations for being in the sack pack. That was amazing that we did that. <laughs> and then we're like on Tuesday or whatever it was. We're like, I'm tired. And it's like, well, look at what we just did. Yeah. And we, I think, <laughs> and we, I think and- we played Melbourne before. So this is really a treat for all the people in the chat that are staying up late to, to watch us from Australia and New Zealand. Thank you guys very much. But uh, we've been hanging out with uh, Glenn Sobel from, uh, you know, the Alice Cooper band, from the uh, Hollywood Vampires. But you know him as the Sobelizer. Now, 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 who like, again, the Sobelizer. Now you have your own drumsticks. Can we sell them right now? Can we? Can, can we hop no, I, I did. I did have a signature stick called Sobelizer, but I I left Regal Tip drumsticks after 27 years of endorsing them. Shit! So now they're classics. That's true. They're like a collector's item, I guess. Okay. Any any plans in the future to have any sort of because this is where I want to get into a little bit and and where I might be a little bit uh, not educated on is the gear geeks and equipment freaks. Uh, with the drum stuff that you do and the drum endorsements that you have. We know that you have a DW endorsement, but uh, any is there any sort of other uh, endorsements that you want to drop and give some love to right now? Oh, you, you got it, right? You got to do that. These companies have been just great. They give us free gear. They know we're touring the world and people are going to see us playing it. That's what it's about. Yep. You know, and you don't want to endorse something that you're not into, that you don't love. But yeah, it's Vader drumsticks now. Okay. They're, they've been amazing. It's Sabian symbols for a long time, and it's Gibraltar hardware, the big rack. They've been amazing, and uh, Evans drumheads, long time. And I know I'm leaving somebody. Well, Humesenberg cases, I got to mention them. You don't play a case, but maybe we can change that. No, that's good. And, uh, Vic, you want to put a picture of that? Up? He doesn't have it. Okay, no problem. <laughs> I should have given him one. I didn't even think of this. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for. No, I, you know what? I always want to shine love onto the people that help us out because you understand that you know it. It, it you we do play these. We do our part. We play the instruments, but the instruments help us. The tools, and you try, why not play the best tools that you can, right? Yeah, you got to be happy with it. So you got to be. Uh, Glenn. Did you come up with the name The Goon Squad? No, that I, I believe nope. that was a Tommy Hendrickson. I thought it was you. No, no, I didn't do it that way. I, I will give Tommy. I, I came up with Glenn Sobel and The Goon Squad, I believe. I think we... The one guy that doesn't sing, yeah. <laughs> yes, because if anyone has seen a, Glenn, a, a Goon Squad show, and whether it was Glenn Sobel and The school Squad, Goon Squad, formerly known as, um, or just The Goon Squad now, maybe we'll be a symbol next year. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, we're, we... Uh, Tommy sings, I sing, Chuck sings, Glenn plays drums. But there don't it is. Forget, don't forget Angry Anderson. Oh my God, that 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 was part of the Sack Pack gig. We had uh, Angry Anderson from um, what, what was the band? The Rose Tattoo. Rose Tattoo. Rose Tattoo. Rose Tattoo. Yeah, I mean, how cool was that though? That that guy. That guy's a lifer, man. That guy. We did Rock and Roll Outlaw with him. 
Yeah. And if you don't know Rose Tattoo, Guns N' Roses covered them. Nice might not have existed. Nice, yeah, they might. Guns N' Roses might not have had the same vibe if it wasn't for Rose Tattoo and no. Han, and Hanoi Rocks. Obviously, I always give yeah. Mike Monroe credit when he can. Um, Kath, and, and and your good buddy, uh, what's the guitar player from McCoy Hanoi Andy? Rock? McCoy, Andy, Andy McCoy. No, yeah. it's McCoy Andy. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Because <laughs> it's Roxy Ryan. <laughs> Shit, man. We've met a lot of characters over the years. I mean, yeah. I mean, at the, at yeah. the end of the day, I mean, Michael we all... Monroe is cool. Yeah, no doubt about it. What no a doubt. guy. Yeah. And so this Alice. Yep. There's some Goon Squad shows are great. Thank you very much for all the love. I appreciate you guys. Um, there it is. Mike Fasano in the chat saying DPM and POL never forget. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We had the, the initials. Yeah. And, and I can see Mike Fasano with his uh, with his profile pic prominently displaying the Gretsch drum label. See, I love it. Mike Fasano knows about the drum hang. When we get together, drummers, we're just like hours of gear talk and, you know, girlfriends beware and wives beware. We're going to like, not that there's not female drummers there. Sorry. I'm being very politically incorrect and non-inclusive, but you get what I'm saying. Of course. Mike knows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Do do, do you, uh, does Burbank get included with the deep 818 sort of crew? Cause you are deep 818. You're more like, like the, the Oaks and Glen Oaks and is it Glen Oaks? I don't know if that's 818 anymore area code, but yeah, the thing that we've done is called the 818 drummers lunch. And yeah, there's drummers from all over that come around. We do it when the NAM show happens because people are in town for the music trade show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, imagine you're just at the random restaurant on a Tuesday afternoon at Stonefire, and all of a sudden all these guys, mostly guys and some girls are coming in just dressed in black on a Tuesday at noon and filling up this patio and making noise, and, you know, <laughs> banging on things. And it's like it scares the, scares the civilians, man. Wow. You know what? Guitar players would have a guitar player's lunch, but we could never decide on what restaurant to eat. There'd probably be too many, too many people with eating, you know, like sort of menus and stuff. Oh yeah, I'm vegan this week, you know, and stuff. Like <laughs> this week. <laughs> so anyway, Mr. Glenn Sobel, uh, we are going to meet each other again on Thursday at the Vakin live stream. Uh, Vic, you got that link to put up now for everybody because we've been asked from asking for people to check it out. Just go do a search on the Vakin Worldwide, and you will find out that link. It's coming up pretty soon. Um, we have been hanging out with Mr. Glenn Sobel, drummer extraordinaire. He has some contact information if you guys uh, want to get in touch with him for drum lessons or for some Sobelizer sticks that might be lying around or just uh, hanging out with him and checking him out on Instagram. Are those the correct ones? Uh, let's see. It looks good. Yeah. Well, the yeah, at Glenn underscore Sobel. That's Twitter. That's Instagram. And uh, yeah, and the website's there and the Facebook is Drummer Glenn. But, you know, you can find, find it just as easy type in my name it's that easy it's that easy these days well you know what we want to thank i want to thank kitty yotes for being a very cool script supervisor she provided a lot of these questions she came on and um, apparently all of you guys being in the chat you've contributed the whole entire show and thank you for any sort of donations that you've made the whole time i haven't uh, i've noticed them coming up i'm sorry i haven't been shouting them out but uh I will shout you out after the show. Um, We are going to sort of shut things down right now for another week. But uh, just so you know, next week, I I think I can actually um, 
sort of advertise that we just found out who our guest will be uh, for next week. That'll be the almighty Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. Really? Oh my God! Yeah, that's one of your dudes. That's man. one of my dudes. So, so as as much as 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 cool, calm, and collective as I am with you, because I feel comfortable. Me and you have been jamming oh, for years. Awesome. I'm gonna be a fanboy. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm honest. I'm gonna be total fanboy next week, but I'm gonna try and be composed. You know, imagine that you meet your favorite drummer. Did you ever get to meet Neil Pert? You know, that's one guy I didn't. You know, and it, it's okay because everyone says, look. If you meet Neil, he doesn't want to talk any drums and he checks out, you know, think about limelight. I can't pretend a stranger is a long awaited friend. That's Neil talking about meeting fans. He's not into it. Yeah, you're right. I I just, I was, you had Rick is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Rick is awesome. And and remember that time in the dressing room, he dropped in and we were playing a little bit of California, California man. man. We caught it on tape. Yeah. Yeah, It's amazing. Oh, it was on tape. I didn't know. Yeah. I'm going to try and I'm going to try and fish it out somewhere, you know? So yeah, I will be fanboying out, but you know what? All you people people don't know his son's the drummer in cheap trick, Dax Nielsen. Yeah. And Dax is a really great guy too. He comes, uh, he comes on the show. Great drummer. Great guy. Got to get him on the show. You know what? I'm going to get more drummers on Glenn Sobel. You have inspired me to get more drummers on. And before you start your own podcast, because I know it's only a matter of time. Why not? Oh boy. From Glenn's kitchen. That's just what we need. Another one of these, right? No, you're doing a great job with this and. You can like call it from it Glenn's up, kitchen. I, How'd you do that? I'm in New York. I'm in New York, and you're in your kitchen. And, and you're like, it's like that Wayne's World sketch. Hey, I'm in New York. Let's go to a Broadway show, and then it's going to change your background. For those of you that don't know, Glenn knows uh, really good movie quotes from about every single movie. You know, I'm a movie guy. Yeah, totally. And, and here's my sort of name drop of the of the week, and I'll and I'll let you go with this: is that uh, David Spade and I had a little DMing back and forth because uh, I gave him some props on Weird Science and Kelly LeBrock, and I said, Kelly LeBrock, what a classic! Wait, wait, David Spade? The David Spade? Yeah, yeah. Is he in that movie? No, no, he would just put up a little post about oh. he, was, he was watching it from quarantine. He's he's quite funny on Instagram. I I, I go and you know check him out and stuff. And I've seen I've seen some of his uh, like I don't know. I guess he's been doing some live chats and in things. the bunker. Oh, he does in, he does a daily in the bunker thing. He's a funny you know funny mofo. I, I think he's he's great. And, but you know, hey man, it's I've had you. And Glenn Sobel, you've been a great guest. Thank you for coming on in the trenches. For all of you that uh, have been listening and not watching, make your way on over to YouTube and please subscribe to the official YouTube channel. Uh, Again, Glenn Sobel, we'll put up your contact information one more time so people can check that out. It's uh, at Glenn underscore Sobel for Instagram. Um, Check it out. Any last things you want to promote, hype up, or are we just out of here? What up? What is there to promote these days? You know, no, I'm just glad that. Oh, you're on the cover of Batter magazine. It's Batua, I think, France. (laughs) They're very nice there. They're very good people. Um, No, just thanks for hanging in my kitchen. Yeah, it's been another. We'll have yeah. to do it again. Thank you for waking up early, Glenn, on the on the West Coast, because I know you're no, not an early not. riser. You've been great. Vic Chalfont, you've been stupendous as always. Thank God. Thanks, you Vic. Yeah. Vic is on it. 
No, he he's is. Not, well, he just like doesn't want to come on screen. Him. Yeah, but if he comes on screen, it's going to just be echo, echo, echo. <laughs> Everybody that's in the chat room, thank you so much. I'm sure we're going to be speaking to each other throughout the week. Um, yeah, you're going to see me fanboy out for Rick Nielsen next week. But uh, a lot of things until next time. But uh, until we meet again on In the Trenches, I'm Ryan Roxy. This has been Glenn Sobel. Uh, enjoy the ride. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello.